If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. We're really, really excited to be able to sit down with、uh, the head of one of the four major wireless carriers. Do you want to do the intro? Sure.、Um, you know, some of you may know he ran a huge business that few people had heard of, but a very successful business bought by SoftBank and then. You know, Marcel Cari is the man that they brought in to、uh, try and turn things around, and、uh, we're excited to hear more from him about what they're trying to do. Marcelo. Thank you. Thank you. So, Mar-、uh, Marcelo is the guy who's trying to fix Sprint. And that's what we'd like to talk to you about. So, you, you had this business that, that you'd sold to SoftBank. You know, you'd been running it for a long time, built this thing. How does this happen?、Uh, Masa says, Look, I got a little job for you. What was that conversation like? How did he describe the situation? What did he ask you to do? So, I was lucky to meet Masa as I went one day to Tokyo to go sell him Brister Services, which is a company I used to own. And we just hit it off incredibly well. He challenged me to set up his buyback and trading business. How do you get used phones back faster? And he challenged me to do it in seven days. What we had done for ATT and Verizon had taken us probably nine months to a year. So we executed quite good. So we, we developed a relationship, a friendship. Then when he came into the US, he bought a Sprint and he invited me to be part of the board. And I think I was a terrible board member. <laughs> was one that when I saw certain things, you know, I was very opinionated. And when the government basically sent us enough signals that the T Mobile gig ain't going to go through, we said, hey, we got to figure out how to make Sprint a great company. And then he said, why don't you do that for me? And I said, I can't. I have my company called Brightstar. He said, well, I'll buy it from you. <laughs> how about that? You want to go run Sprint now? And I said, let's do it. So that's a. That's how I got my job as a CEO of Sprint. <laughs> so, at one of our conferences,、uh, here a year here, ago, this conference a year ago, uh, uh, the, uh, John Chen from BlackBerry, from, from BlackBerry was, was being interviewed, and he said, The patient was sicker than I thought when he came in. And he had、ah. likened it to surgery. He had said, you know, because when you have a company that's operating, you can't just 
go in a room and design something new. You have to build it while things are going. Um, how's so how sick is the patient, and how did it compare with your expectation? No, I think the patient is doing well now. I think the, the patient is uh, on a stable condition, which is <laughs> what we like it to be. And I think we'll figure out how to make this an incredibly powerful and a healthy patient. Things were a little tougher than what I thought. I mean, and it just going to a company where the employees were demoralized and demoralized because we were losing customers at an incredible pace. I mean, we we're losing about 700,000 customers a quarter. So if you have 60 working days, I mean, you're looking at 12,000 customers a day that uh, you're losing. So, you know, everybody was, uh, you know, I would say sad, demoralized. Employees didn't believe in the company. And uh, it was hard because at the beginning, you know, I've never had the chance to run a, a Fortune 100 size type of company with so many employees. So everybody comes and everybody advises you. They say, look, take your time. Don't make any decisions. And by the third day, I said, can, can do it, right? I mean, let's just figure out, let's change our pricing plan. And I call that, let's get a sprint back in the game. And fast forward, I've been doing this for eight months. And it was great that, you know, last quarter we added 1.2 million customers from we were losing, you know, the previous quarters, three to 400,000 customers. So it feels great. It feels great when you look at your screens, your operating screens every day, and you see that you, you have more customers coming in from, your, from the other competitors and you're losing customers. So it's a great feeling. I mean, people are, the, the patient is healthy, and now we gotta figure out how to make it be a great patient. Well, not, not to question your medical diagnosis here, but some of the vital signs are improving, but some, some haven't yet. I mean, one of the key metrics in this industry is, are you getting core smartphone, postpaid smartphone users? You guys, obviously everyone in the industry wants to get these. These are the most lucrative customers. It still hasn't happened. You've said you expect it in the next couple quarters. Yep. How important is that? And you know, when will we see sustained growth and profitability? Because obviously those are keys. Sure, I mean, you gotta look at, to us first is, we were losing all sort of customers, wholesale, prepaid. So the first thing was we wanted to get more customers. It really didn't matter which way they came. And we achieved that really fast. Our second goal is we wanna get postpaid customers, which is where the profit comes. And today, you know, we are 200,000 customers positive last quarter, which was great for us. And now our next one is, you know, we want to make sure that we're postpaid handset positive, and we've gone from losing 700,000 to losing 200,000. So, you know, the progress that we're making, I think, postpaid handset positive means correct means you got to measure how many cost how many handset customers are leaving versus handset customers are coming in. Oh, I see. They want the people in this room. They're, they've been losing them. They need to get more of them. Sure. I mean, so so and I like the progress that we've made. I mean, we were losing seven hundred thousand. We are we've lost two hundred thousand. Uh, but it, when you look at the whole category postpaid, I mean, we've gone from negative to positive two hundred thousand. And if you what, what what I think was really significant for me was when you look at last quarter, when you add postpaid and prepaid, we actually added more customers than AT and T, more customers than Verizon, and that's a big deal because Sprint hadn't hasn't done that in a very long time. So I, you know, it's. I think we have good momentum. I think uh, we've had the one of the largest drops in churn in the history of telecom, 46 basis points in the U.S. So we like where we are today. There's a long road ahead of us, but you got to celebrate every day. So what about your network? Um, I don't run a network measurement business, but as a tech reviewer. Uh, Every once in a while, I go out with a 
set of identical new phones and I, uh, from each carrier, and I go around to different cities and see what the experience is like, as if you just were a normal person yep. on a business trip or, or you live there or whatever. And the last two or three times I've done it, you have been far, by far dead last in speeds. I mean, it's been, I, I had one experience uh, that just sticks in my mind where I couldn't find an LTE signal in downtown San Francisco. I couldn't even find your LTE signal. I had to actually leave the hotel, walk like two blocks, go into some place, and, and somehow magically I got a kind of a weak sprint LTE signal. All the other three, they may have varied in the speed. I can't remember which one was fastest that day at that place, but they all had a signal right in my hotel room, not you. And that was not the only experience like that I've had. So my, my sense of it is, Every time I see one of your ads on TV, I think, well, that's great. They're going to cut my bill in half, which actually isn't quite in half, but whatever. Even if you cut it 20%, that's good. You want to lease me a phone, that's good. But I'm not going to do any of those things because the network isn't, isn't going to be there for me. That's my sense, and that's what I've told people who read me. What are you going to do about that? So that's fair. I mean, uh... I've been in this job for eight months, and when we came, you're absolutely right. Our network was dropped at last, and you know, we'll be foolish not to acknowledge that. We're in the middle of a network transformation project, widely known as Network Vision, and we've put a relentless focus on getting our network better in the last eight months. So we like to measure our performance based on third party called RootMetrics, because what they do is they actually measure the four of us identically. And in the last ranking, it was, it was great. You know, we are no longer dead last. We're number three, according to Root Metrics. But what's really encouraging... Who's dead last? T-Mobile. Okay. Uh, now, what's really encouraging for us is we have a clear plan. And as we start deploying our plan in a specific city, so I'll give you an example. Uh, the, last, the last test we're done in the last few months, we're number one in speed in Denver, where we actually... We're testing that if you deploy your network in a specific way, so we beat everybody in Denver. We're the number one network in Las Vegas. We're the number two network in Chicago. So the, the, we actually, I think the last ranking showed that we have 124 first place awards compared to 12 last year. So I can tell you that we're making progress. And I can tell you that the area of focus for Sprint going forward is basically for the continuation of building of our network. Let's talk about the economics of that, because one of the challenges in wireless is it's just as expensive to build a network that few people are using as one that a lot of people are using, or close. There's some added cost with more customers, but in general, you have these huge fixed costs, and if you don't get enough customers, you can't afford to make these investments. How, how much of what you're trying to do is say, this is what we can afford to spend in network? How much of it is we have to grow our customers significantly to afford the kind of network we okay. want? So it took me a little time to learn, but uh, you know, in the real estate business, location, 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 it's all it matters. In the network, being a network operator, network, network, network is what it's going to take. And you know we're privileged to be owned uh, by, or majorly owned by SoftBank, and we have a very clear network plan. We are, we know exactly how we're going to fund it. And uh, I believe Massa was here uh, not too long mm -hmm. ago, he was here, yeah. and he made a pretty strong commitment. He says, "I'm going to go build an amazing network." But that was premised. His whole point here and elsewhere was, if I can, I don't have enough tower. He literally said. 
I don't have enough towers to do what I did in Japan, to do what I would like to do. That's why I need T-Mobile. That's why I need the merger. Yeah. So at the time he was here making that pledge, it was based, premised on the idea of the merger. Sure. Or, I mean, our goal, you know, we've always encouraged consolidation. I think we could be a more formidable competitor if we're three instead of four. But guess what? The government made it very clear to us that at this point in time, that was not going to happen. So what do you do? You reverse, you go back, you sit with your engineers. You understand that today we are the operator with the largest spectrum holdings in the world. Nobody has 150 megahertz of combined spectrum today. So we've gone back, we sat, we figured out a way how we're going to go build a network, completely different network architecture, completely different ways to build a network. And you can expect in the next 18 to 24 months, hopefully you invite me here two years from now, that our network will be ranked number one or number two in every single market. What, what's it going to cost to do that? What's the time frame and how many customers do you need to make that pay off? So, you know, we, we obviously we can't share how much money we're going to spend today. We have a plan. We know exactly how much is it going to cost. We figure out different ways to deploy a network. Obviously, it involves massively densifying our network. It involves building a network, I would say, smarter than before. Right Today, you have an incredible access to big data. We know exactly the experience that a Sprint customer is getting because they're pinging a, our network. Every, you know it down to minutes. what? Down to each block? We get it down to pretty much each block. So we have the ability to deploy based on the needs of a specific area and not if you go back to traditional RF engineering that you had to set up. So we feel very comfortable. I've spent countless hours in Tokyo with Massa, with its engineers, with our engineers. And uh, you know, I feel very comfortable that if we're able to use our spectrum and deploy it correctly, in less than two years, we're going to be number one. Remember this, number one or number two in every single important market in the US. So when you go do your testing, you're going to be very happy, and you're going to say Massa and Marcelo came through in their commitment. OK. And is that alone going to get you the customers you need? I mean, one of the interesting dynamics is, for a long time, AT&T and Verizon basically controlled the market. Both Sprint and T-Mobile were not terribly aggressive. A couple of years ago, uh, John Ledger comes in at T-Mobile. Suddenly, they're very aggressive. They have this opportunity to grow. What's interesting is that seemed to work when Sprint was kind of quiet before you came. How does it work if both you guys and T-Mobile are being very aggressive on price? Isn't it just a race to the bottom then? No. I mean, I think customers, customers want two basic things. They want to have a great experience in our product or network, and customers want value. And uh, what we've done is we figure out different ways to win customers. If you look at several things that we've done, we were the first carrier to actually launch leasing a phone. And leasing a phone works great. I mean, nobody wants to own a phone after two years when the price of that phone just goes down. Phone price, price on phone just goes down one way. So we figured a way for cost, we figure out a way for customers to basically turn in their phone after two years and they will always get, call it a new phone, a new iPhone or a new Galaxy. And customers love it. Uh, you know, I remember when we, when we say we're gonna launch iPhones, the iPhone for Life program, everybody thought we were crazy. Today, over 70% of our iPhones are on leasing and customers love leasing, they love, love, love a lower monthly fee. Secondly, is customers not necessarily like to go to the stores. And for, I don't know how many of you have gone to a wireless store, but it takes a long time to port in your phone. And considering that we're bringing more customers, so we figure out a way in which we're going to take the customer experience to the customer's home, 
to the customer's office, to wherever the customer wants. We figured out that we were making customers wait two hours in our stores many times because there were lines and we were not set up for that. So we went and we did a Radio Shack uh, transaction that allows us to be, have now 5,000 different places where people can go ahead and buy it. So we're going to continuously enhance the experience for customers that want to come to Sprint. So if you can have a great network, you can have great value, and you can make it easy for customers to want to buy your devices, I think we're going to be able to accelerate the growth curve that we are in at this point in time. Can you foresee a time when carriers don't need stores at all or don't feel like it's sensible for them to have stores? I mean, you're, you're fundamentally, your product is the network and you charge me a certain amount to use your network. Yes, I can buy a handset in your store, but I can buy a handset at Amazon or Best Buy or the Apple Store or whatever, you know. There's a million places to buy a handset. I don't have to buy it from you. What I'm really, what you're bringing to the equation that, that I can't buy in these other places is the network. But let's, let's, so why is that done in a physical store? I think you gotta look at a mobile operator completely different. So I think today, we all look at the mobile operators through one set of eyes, and we think, hey, these are the guys that provide the network and they sell the phones. When I took the job at Sprint, I look at, this is one of the most fascinating ecosystems that exists in the planet. And the reason why I say, look, we are a carrier with a tremendous amount of spectrum, right? Secondly, we are a company that builds, collects, and provides customer care to about 56 million customers. There's very few companies in the world. When you say 56 million customers, what does that mean? That's twice the size of Australia. That's one and a half times the size of Canada. So imagine if you had all of Canada and you bill them $60 a month. That's pretty powerful. But the ability to be able to do it we're a pretty large retailer. We have 5,000 stores. And as new things evolve, as the... As the yeah, industry, but, I, but, I, but I get it. But, but why do you have 5,000 stores when what you're doing is selling this intangible thing, the network, and billing me $60 a month? But we're going to do a lot more than that. So today, we sell you handset. We sell you a tablet. We sell you accessories. In the future, as there's a lot of whole new products that are going to be launched, let me add one more thing, and you don't look at the operator as a bank. We're a huge bank. We finance billions and billions of leases, financing, and all that. So when you look at that whole ecosystem put together, and there's new products being launched, when GoPro goes bigger, when they need help in terms of, you know, how do you sell all the products that are going to be connected, then suddenly your entire ecosystem becomes extremely important. The ability to build, the ability to sell in retail, the ability to deliver the technology to somebody's home, the ability to finance it, the ability to use our spectrum to communicate. So our plan, when I look at a sprint, after we're done fixing the basic, which is network and value, you know, we have to be that company that becomes a mobile platform, right? a digital mobile platform that's going to be able to offer you a lot of many different things that we can help. I, I sit fascinated here listening to so many new technology apps that they really need a carrier to help monetize. You know. But let's talk about that bigger future, because I think this is actually really important for the industry, but I actually think it speaks to one of your big challenges, which is, you know, both T-Mobile and Sprint have been chasing, you know, to use the Gretzky thing, skating to where the puck is, the handset business, whereas the bigger rivals, AT&T and Verizon, AT&T is putting LTE modules in cars, 
Um, you know, both AT&T and Verizon are interested in home services, home security. Um, do you guys have the resources to deliver the kinds of services that those companies are? You know, they're doing huge deals with, GT, with uh, GM to put it in all the cars. You know, won't you guys find two years from now that AT&T's locked up the customer because they own the car? You see, I look at it different. I, I see a carrier. So the first thing I came when I was talking about Silicon Valley or we're talking about app developers or, or, or all the OTTs, traditional carriers are scared of OTTs. They say, oh, they're taking all the value. I look at it completely different. I say, if you're billing somebody 50 or $60 a month for a specific amount of data usage, they should have the right to use whatever OTT they want and we should welcome them to use more services because there's a lot of our customers who pay us for gig of data. Secondly, you know, we got to partner with different OTTs, different applications, and help them go to market. We have an incredible ability to grab a specific service that we like and make it available, I say, to, 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 through our base that is bigger than the entire country. And there are other things that we're going to be really... So like what you guys have done with Spotify, you see more of that? I mean, we look at, you know, a video and delivery, we look at music services, you know, we can partner with them. Now, there are other companies that don't need our help, right? Companies like Facebook, you know, they figure out great ways to monetize their business. So, however, they should come and they use our network. Customers come and they use our network, and that's perfectly fine. You know, in the future, the more video that a customer uses utilizing Facebook, for example, the more they're going to pay us. They're going to pay us at all. I look at the carrier being the center of the wireless ecosystem. Pretty much, you know, we're involved in anything that happens. Google launches their own mobile service. Well, they're paying a toll because they're using our network. Uh, and, and there's a new music service that comes up. If we're going to do the billing, we keep a percent of the billing. And there will be some that we want to do ourselves. There'll be areas where I believe we have the ability, potentially in the financial services, that we have the ability because we have, a, we have a customer base that trusts us. So I look at us as, I would say, a little different in terms of, you know, there was the, the schizophrenia against... Uh, or people were so scared of the OTTs, I look at it, you know, Sprint is going to be a different type of carrier. We're basically going to, you know, we enable partnerships and we're happy to partner with different companies to be able to take their service to our different customer base that we have. So one company that you do partner with is this small carrier, Republic Wireless, in uh, North Carolina. And they, uh, and some, a few other people also, uh, are, are basically deploying a Wi-Fi based of phone system. They've, they, in their case, and, the, and this is actually, I think, no longer necessary with some of the latest iPhones and Galaxies, they take Motorola uh, phones, Moto Xs and Moto yep. G Gs, and, and they modify them so that the dialer, there's not a separate dialer and a separate app, it's the main phone dialer defaults to Wi-Fi. Sees if the phone is on Wi-Fi. If the phone is on Wi-Fi, then it checks: is it a good enough Wi-Fi signal? It's a good enough Wi-Fi signal. I just make a phone call. I'm not doing anything special. That call's going over Wi-Fi. In many cases, it actually sounds better. Actually, uh, depending on what's on the other end. And then if I walk out of the Starbucks or my house or my office, wherever the Wi-Fi is, and I go out onto the street and I lose the Wi-Fi signal, it seamlessly hands me over to. To the Sprint Network. Sprint Network, in many cases. Um, in all cases. Well, okay, in all cases. So, um, why don't, you know, you're going to invest a huge amount of money in your cellular network. Believe me, I, I'm with you. I think you ought to do it. But 
why not also think about doing calls over Wi-Fi? You have a lot of customers who are on Wi-Fi 80% of their day, and the Wi-Fi is already paid for, uh, you know, either by their employer or by Starbucks giving it away, or at home they already have paid a broadband bill. Uh, why not just change all the phones you sell to default to Wi-Fi dialing? So you got to follow us a little better. We today we're the second carrier in the world who's doing voice over Wi-Fi. We have 27 of our phones, of Android devices that use Wi-Fi first in order to do a phone call. We have signed a deal with Boingo, so next time you go to an airport, the, cost, the consumer really doesn't care if they're in Wi-Fi, they're in 4G, they're in 3G. Right. They want to make sure they have a great connection. My question was, was why aren't all your, why isn't that your default case for everything? It is. So when all you, of your phones? 27, I think a few old phones don't carry, but if we're the second carrier in the world that does Wi-Fi calling on iPhones. We have 27 of Android devices, every first Galaxy, every LG. Yep, they were first with Apple. So today the default is that. But secondly, I think it's more important if the consumer really doesn't care whether they're on Wi-Fi, they're on 4G, the consumer, the consumer doesn't even know. What the consumer wants is a phone that will work the way they want it everywhere they are. And we have adopted Wi-Fi. We signed a deal with Boingo that our phones seamlessly transferred to Wi-Fi in I think 35 of the most busy airports in the US. So we have enabled Wi-Fi as the fourth layer. Okay. Now what we have that others don't have is we're going to have the ability to give you that mobile broadband and as the phone basically chooses, are we better off connecting to Wi-Fi or are we better off connecting to Sprint's 4G network? So that's where we're going and I think it's working very well. We're in the final stages of seamless handover. So I think we're happy. I think the, the, the technological progress we've made in this last three months of enabling Wi-Fi and adopting Wi-Fi is having huge results. And is that going to be enough? If you look at the amount of data that's going to get offloaded to Wi-Fi and then compare it to the cost of building this network, which you're not going to tell us the number, but you know what that number is. It's expensive. It's a, lot of, it's a large investment. Will you be able to keep unlimited calling? I'm sorry, unlimited data? Because that's been kind of, yep. in, in Sprint's weakest times, the best thing it's been able to say is, you can have unlimited data where you, you, know, you don't have to be grandfathered in, you don't have to never upgrade your device. You know, we believe in unlimited. Is that a long-term pledge? Unlimited is not forever. Let's be very clear. The better, the better content, the better services that go there, they will consume more data. For now, unlimited works very well. User consumption is below our cost of producing data. But in the future, you know, we might increase the cost of unlimited or we might eliminate unlimited at one point in time. Today, our customers have a choice. You can be a moderate user or you can be a, an unlimited user. And uh, obviously, you know, if we're going to build a great network in which you're going to have great video from all the different partners that we have, the unlimited equation doesn't work. But for now, it works quite well. Okay, well, thank you. Do we have any questions from Marcelo? Uh, talk about how you're going to pay for this really large network upgrade. Maybe, would you maybe sell? I know you've got a whole bunch of 2.5 gigahertz spectrum I don't think you're using. Would you sell that? I can tell Sounds you like a really expensive project. Well, you guys you, are, are burning you, cash flow. You'll be surprised. Yeah, we also have a, you know, we also belong to a pretty financially sound company called SoftBank. Uh, now, we have our financing plan. We know exactly what we need to do to go build our network. And I think today I can basically say that we feel very comfortable. We have the necessary financial means to build our network to the exact uh, architecture that we want to build it.
Are you planning to sell that Spectrum? Well, I couldn't tell you if I was. <laughs> uh, Marcello, question for you related to what are you going to do on the innovation front? It's great to see the bucket minutes, discount plans, but uh, you know, Verizon, AT&T have done a, a good job on the innovation. I don't see many of the Sprint guys roaming uh, the Bay Area, uh, even though you've got buildings there. And you've got Japan, which has a history of innovation. So what, what can you do to leverage that and do a better job connecting with the startup community? So we are, and we're doing more. And I feel you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to announce some great partnerships with companies uh, in Silicon Valley. And it's basically about enabling them to use our network to take their products to our base. I mean, that's what we can bring to the table today. On another side that we're looking at it is there's something that bothers me about this industry. And that's the fact that companies like Apple and Samsung, they produce a great new device every single year. And most people are tied up to a two-year contract. So even if T-Mobile says they don't give you a contract, you're signing a two-year financing contract. And Verizon or AT&T makes you sign. So we are thinking a lot in terms of you know, how can we match that time frame? That you know, if, 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 if new technology comes every year, half the people are frustrated that they got to wait another year. So you'll so, harmonize your cycle with the... Well, we're thinking about cycle. it. And so I, there'll I, be an iPhone plan think, where if you want a new iPhone every year, you pay a little more, you lease it. There's a lot more to it than that. But uh, you can expect that, you know, when we talk to that's customers... That's the plan. Uh, that's the inner plan. That's the inner plan. You can, you, you can assume that we've talked to so many different customers, and if there's one pain point that really bothers most customers is the fact that there's a new iPhone 6 that's being launched, and half the people are on an iPhone 5, and they're dying to get their hands on it. And that hasn't been, I don't think the industry has done a great job of solving them. And as far as, basically, from an innovation perspective, think of Sprint in the future as a mobile digital company, mobile digital platform that's going to enable this innovation to go through our customers. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Marcel. Thank you.